0: It was a great blessing to meet J.B. And uh, as a guy, when I say J.B., you probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, Sports Illustrated in uh, 2010 called him the sportscaster of the decade, James Brown, J.B. And uh, what a remarkable man. He's got this huge uh, volume of work that he's done over the years, but one of the most humble men I've ever met. And we talked a lot about what it is to be a man, what it is to be a real man. Uh, we talked about he's read Maximize Manhood, and uh, which is the, one of the cornerstone books we have with the Christian Men's Network. And he's uh, heard some of the things we do, seen it, and it was a great time being with him. I'm joined today on Brave Men with uh, Chris Shields. And Chris, uh, having J.B., you know, on was, uh, what a special thing, man. Yeah,
1: he. I mean, he's amazing. Golly, man.
0: You know, he wrote a book he called, he called The Role of a Lifetime.
1: Yes, Reflections on Faith, Family, and Significant Living.
0: Yeah, um, and, and so uh, James Brown, Tony Dungy, and some others in there. Yeah. And uh, he, we talked about that in the conversation. He was, he was so um, authentic. You know, he was just, like, really real. Sometimes yes. you think about guys that are on television, they're famous, uh, they're well-known, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And we got into his background. You know, he was a baller, man, like you. Yeah,
1: basketball player. Yep. Yeah. Played yeah, for the yeah, Atlanta Hawks for yeah. a little bit. Yeah. yeah,
0: played for the Hawks. And uh, But actually, that was one of his biggest disappointments, and we talk about that. But he was, he was like all Ivy League. This guy is a Harvard graduate, yes. and he played— uh back in the day he didn't play as a freshman you know in varsity but he played three years a three-year starter yes and a lot of guys don't know that about him he was he's uh he's that uh he talks about his marriage he talks about family and and uh, talks about his faith
1: yeah and he um you know his pride enjoys his daughter he speaks yeah. so highly of his yeah. daughter too yeah and she has quite the career too
0: yeah so uh to, to hang out with jb even though it was like by zoom you know, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. like I get, I could say, yeah, hanging out with JB the other day, Yes, you know, it was pretty cool, but, um, yes. yeah, remarkable man of, uh, I, i you know, I met him a couple of years ago. He's a close friend of pastor Dale O'Shields, who's one of our close friends with Christian men's network Yeah, and, uh, has been one of our speakers at the global summit yes. many, many times. And, uh, and we've been there and I met him there at Dale's uh, church there in Washington area, which is where they attend on a regular basis when they're in town. But, uh, but having some time with a man who, who, speaks about, um, who speaks about the background of things, you know, growing up in the era he grew up in as yes. a black man, mm-hmm. uh, going through some of these things, really honest conversation. I want to get right into today on Brave Men. I want to thank you for being with us and uh, being a part of this. And uh, make sure you tell somebody. Isn't there like a subscribe thing yeah, that you can gotta do, Yeah, you got to click
1: Chris? subscribe. You, you should click share it? it. Yes, you click subscribe.
0: On the podcast. On thing. the podcast. Okay, wherever yep. you are. Yes. And where,
1: po- whatever podcast. only where the good podcasts are. Wherever the finest podcasts <laughs> are is where we yeah, are. Is where we are. Right? So you want to click sus- subscribe and you also yeah. want to click share. Okay. You know, and you can share that through your messages to that so person you that you know. you can send that to people. Yeah. Needs to hear it. You can share it on your Facebook you can yeah. also share it on your Instagram. You wow. can share it all over social media or even send it in a message to yeah. someone. Okay, fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah so, so uh, that's, my, that's my comment. I, I think we need to do that. Yeah. I, and uh, so uh, you, our friend who's with us right now, uh, why don't you think about doing that? Because this conversation, once you hear it, you're going to say, yeah, I know three guys who need to hear exactly. this. You know? And then those three guys, when they listen to it, they're going to tell three guys. Exactly. And then what happens pretty soon?
1: We're starting to affect the world. The entire world has exactly. listen
0: to J.B. <laughs> on Brave Men. Today on Brave mm-hmm. Men, thanks for being with us, James Brown.
2: It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey.
0: I'm talking with James Brown, who we see all the time on different sports networks and uh, most often referred to as J.B., James, good good to spend some time with you today.
2: Yes, Paul. First of all, can I just say thank you so very much for having me on board. I'm, I'm excited about this. and Certainly, um, uh, people are known by the company they keep, and you keep some pretty good company that I know of. So thank yeah, you so some,
0: much. Some people let us hang out with them. Hey, now, were you always known as JB? Did you grow up with that,
2: or did Terry give you that? Boy, you know what? You Great first question. No, my father, God bless him, he actually – my name is James – Middle name is Talmage, and last name is Brown. I looked all through the family tree for a Talmage, and it was not there. I, and my father, I'll have to wait until I get to heaven to find out why in the world, how in the world did he name me Talmage? The only Talmage I knew of, after doing some study, and probably around middle school or so, was Senator Herman Talmage. Right. And the kids in my neighborhood could not pronounce Talmage, so I was either Tamage or Sandwich. So my father, he called me J.T. Those were my initials. Then, um, I guess when I got to high school, it just morphed into being called JB because that's what the students just called me. So that and that's still really, yeah.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Now, what what most people probably don't know because we see we've seen you for years on Fox and CBS, NFL Today, and essentially it feels like most of your career is centered around football. Mm. But your first sport was basketball.
2: Mm. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. And you know what? My actually, It's interesting. Let me give you a quick story. The, the, my first love was actually baseball. Really? Um, yep. I um, was playing uh, in the neighborhood, and a lot of the kids there went to this Catholic church show about t- 10 blocks away. So I wound up playing CYO baseball. Sure. And I wasn't particularly good at it, but then I hit a hot streak that happened to take place during the playoffs, and I was knocking home run after home run. The, um, the iconic basketball coach at DeMatha Catholic High School, Morgan Wooten, uh, in the Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, was the first to have gotten into the Hall of Fame, principally for what he did at the high school level, 46 years as a coach, just phenomenal. Um, and I, when he said that we're interested in you coming to DeMatha to play baseball, I went to his basketball camp that summer, and that sport just caught fire with me. And I put the baseball bat down and the rest is history, so it was basketball. However, there was a blond-haired, blue-eyed, heat-seeking fastball thrower by the name of Steve Garrett, who really probably got me out of baseball because he had a curveball that was absolutely wicked. And I would stand there, I knew it was a curveball, I was waiting for it to break, and it seemed like it took five minutes, and a curveball kept coming at me, and when I finally said, you know what? This curveball isn't going to break. (laughs) I dropped down into the dirt, and it broke over the home plate at the last second. I knew I didn't have the hooks, but to stand there. So basketball, it is. Basketball,
0: it is. Well, and, and you ended up at Harvard. Mm. And again, here's another thing that most people probably don't realize. I'm sure they they think of you as well in some ways, in some of your broadcasts some of the guys you you you're the smart one, but you're a Harvard graduate and you were all Ivy league in basketball.
2: Very, very humbled to have been such Look, there are many lessons that I learned, Pastor Paul, from um, my uh, high school basketball coach, a strong man of faith who made the point that in order to play for him, he wanted his student-athletes, he always referred to us as student-athletes, to have four priorities. Number one was God. Number two was family. Number three was school. Number four was then your sport, basketball, and I never, ever forgot that. And uh, Morgan Wooten was phenomenal. I never, he, he reminded me of Mr. Wilson back in the Dennis Menace days, uh, <laughs> or Father Knows Best. Many of the younger folks who are listening to this would have no clue. They'd have to go back in the research annals to find this out. But that was Coach Wooten. Never once, Pastor, never once heard him utter a curse word, no profanity. And I asked him why. He says, no, 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 no um it shows that you have a limited vocabulary if you're speaking we know from a biblical standpoint the bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and i wanted to make certain that i was representing our lord and savior jesus christ well but he never cursed but yet he was one of the finest motivators i've ever met and certainly a lot of what he had to say athletically has biblical roots that are still internalized and a part of my foundation to this day, yes. Well, John Wooden was the same way, wasn't he? And my coach and John Wooden were the best of friends. As a matter of Mm -hmm. fact, as Coach Wooden was aging, my high school coach actually took over one of the significant responsibilities of Coach Wooden, which was to select the McDonald's High School all Americas for that McDonald's High School All-American game. I remember going to participate in one out in uh, South Bend, Indiana on the campus of Notre Dame University. And uh, Coach Wooden and Wooten were there and just wonderful men. And Coach Wooden, who you're talking about, was awesome as well because the lessons that he uh, taught yeah. and, used, and I know how well read you are, his pyramid of success at mm-hmm. the very top, of course, was a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. Now, so now faith, it, it's obvious right now, faith is a center of your conversation. You know, Jesus said, Matthew 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So this just comes out of you, doesn't it, J.B.?
2: Yeah, you know what, Pastor Paul, and and I praise God for that. It is who I am as I got to know our Lord and Savior. I began back in the day, probably as a 24-year-old. I remember hanging out at um, happy hours, quote-unquote happy hours, And uh, it was an empty lifestyle. Hmm. Uh, I had been cut by the Atlanta Hawks in basketball. That's where I actually developed my work ethic, if you will, as a result of that disappointment that was totally on me. And I remember coming home late one night from a a club and I'm riding up the road, lonely night, quiet. And uh, I said, I know there's more to life. And I said, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me and I'll serve you. I had a God-sized hole in me that I knew could only be filled by this Jesus Christ. Certainly I'd heard about, but I didn't know him. And Pastor Paul, do you know, the very next week, I go hanging out with some friends. They invite me to a party. It was a natural thing to say, okay, I'll go to the party. After I said, you know, Lord, reveal yourself to me. I go to this party. I'm 24 years of age, and I'm going to a pajama party. We don't even want to delve into that pajama party at age 24, and as I'm there— I felt like I had committed high treason. Mm. As I'm heading home, I apologized profusely to the Lord and said, I will begin an earnest search for you. That began a 12 year search for a good word teaching church, but that's what's in me.
0: Yeah, so now were there people in your family that were followers of Christ
2: then? Um, Yes, my mother, God bless her, um, she was kind of the, the ringleader, if you will, um, and I actually like little baby chicks. You know, you follow the mom yeah, around. Yeah, my yeah, father yeah. Um, became actually my father had a deathbed conversion. He died in mm. the tender age of 46 from stomach cancer.
0: Goodness.
2: My sister had to make me aware that he did have a deathbed conversion at the hospital, for which I am eternally thankful for. Amen. My Amen. mother was the one who ruled the roost. My father. He was like Joseph in the Bible, the quiet one who did all the hard work. He worked two, sometimes three jobs during the holidays to provide extra for us during Christmas. My mom wanted to be an excellent homemaker, and she was. She was only 5'5". Five, five. We called her the sergeant because what she said, <laughs> that she meant it. We did not doubt her. And when, I don't know whether it was Jesus Christ grabbing a hold of her or vice versa, but once she did, that was it and we followed her wherever she went and that began our journey to find a good church that we could root ourselves in yeah. again it was Rama christian center church in washington dc where the pastor was pastor clarence gibbons and he was all about the word yep
0: yep know that well well known so then age 24 now you've gone into business at this point james you, you've gone from uh You played, you were at Harvard, you come out of there, you're Ivy League, you're playing basketball, you go to the Atlanta Hawks, your dreams are dashed on the rocks. Now there's a pivot, you come to Christ. And what happens in your business world and how did you end up going from that to broadcasting?
2: Well, so the short story here is being drafted by the Atlanta Hawks was a dream come true. But the headline on that is, and this had a biblical lesson for me to have learned the painful way as well when I got to college, big man on campus resting on my laurels, got complacent. The Bible warns about pride and ego mm-hmm. uh, even even though the principle was applicable to something else in that context, it still is applicable across the spectrum. Um, be careful how you stand lest you fall, yeah uh, and certainly. I got cocky and confident on campus, but I didn't work as hard to stay on top as I did to get to the top. So when I was drafted by the Hawks, I knew I could play. And a name from 200 years ago back in the history books, Pete Maravich and I were great friends. Um, by the way, I was most happy after being cut by the Hawks many years down the road when he had passed to learn that he had become saved as well. So that's all yeah. that mattered to mm-hmm. me. So I carried his work ethic with me where I said I would never allow an opportunity to pass me by for which I was ill-prepared. Mm. And that's when I worked hard. When I got to corporate America, it was the closest thing to the high of experiencing playing sports because it was dependent upon dependent upon you and your work ethic and whether or not you had the right ingredients, if you, uh, if you will, in you. And that's what I did to enjoy success there. But I got an opportunity to be the broadcaster, an analyst for the Washington, then named Bullets and I started doing that and I said wow this is fun. I wasn't sure where the Lord was going to carry me, but I just wanted to use that platform and I'm a baby Christian at this point. You know, I'm not even firmly in the church when I got the job in 1979 with the then Washington Bullets, but I was a baby Christian and I just wanted to use whatever platform he had me on to his glory and but everything I had been involved in were sports and most notably team sports and coming from a large family of five team was that it was that that was the focus and my family as well too so everything I'm about is team pretty much consistent with Ephesians 4:16, using the example of the human body being comprised of many parts but all playing a significant role for the fervent effectual working of the whole body which is pretty consistent with what you're doing globally as a leader in a team sense as well, Paul. Yeah,
0: with uh, Christmas Network. Now, was that uh, Wes
2: Unseld's team? Was that around the same time? Wow, and Wes Unseld and I were the best of friends. When he went home to be with the Lord just uh, several months ago, his wife Connie had given me a call. Wow! Wes was so wonderful to me, taking me up under his wings when I was a broadcaster. I was so impressed with the example that he set. He didn't do a lot of talking. He modeled it in his behavior. Because I remember there was one basketball player on that team, tremendously gifted, and, but yet he was wayward. He was a young fellow, making money, you know, big-time star, yep. All, yep. Of the, all of the hedonistic uh, pursuits that people would engage in, you know, at that young age. And I said, Wes, why don't you go and talk to that guy? And he says, I can tell he won't hear me right now. So I will model it, but he won't listen. Some things he's going to have to learn the hard way. But Wes was just wonderful. Yes.
0: You know, it's one of the things with Christian Men's Network that we teach uh, as part of our core values is that while men look for uh, better methods, God looks for better men. That uh, Ian Bounds said that. And then that, that you can work on your talent, but what God's looking for is character, that true manhood is likeness. And you, you probably closer than almost anybody I would know have seen men who fully committed to talent but didn't commit to their character and ended up with a life that diminished when they had such great expectations, if you will, great potential.
2: Two things come to mind when you say that, Pastor Paul. One uh, involves uh, Tony Dungy, the other, um, General Norman Schwarzkopf. Let me start with General Schwarzkopf first. Uh, God bless him. I um, co hosted, actually hosted, a leadership speakers series. Great people uh, Tony Robbins, the uh, personal development guru, yeah, yeah, yeah. President uh, George Bush in uh, uh Don Shula, and General Norman Schwarzkopf. And I remember the speech that he was giving to these corporations. Um, He said as he did his study, preparing to talk to these corporate leaders, he said what was eye-popping to him are there were so many young men, at the time predominantly men, talented, who were captains of industry. But he wanted to see how well and how long they did the job. Was there sustained excellence? Eight out of ten who fell was because they did not have a great foundation. He says, personality, which is the equivalent of what Marv Levy, the former great football coach said, personality is what you are and who you show to the public when that light is on the camera. Character and integrity, they are who you are when nobody's watching. And they ought to be one and the same at yeah, all. times. Tony, on. Tony yeah. Dungy, when he talked to his teams, both with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who he turned around a team that was historically horrible to become competitive and perennial playoff uh, uh, performers. And then he got fired from there, but his faith in the Lord was strong. He thought that was a job. And he says, well, then God, you obviously have something else for me, but the speech he gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was the beginning of the um, training camp fellows. If we're super, if we're champions on the field only and not in a game of life, you cannot call yourself a champion. He did the same thing with the uh, Indianapolis Colts, gave right. them the same speech, and they go on to win the championship. And while all the, his leadership principles that he learned were from the book of Nehemiah, when it seemed to us that it was taking forever for him to get a coaching job, and he was very disappointed, he and the team chaplain studied leadership principles in the book of Nehemiah, which undergirded everything that he did. And his second phase in life, even having been inducted, into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What he's doing in the game of life yes. is a far, has far surpassed that.
0: You know, uh, when you mentioned Tampa Bay, it always reminds me of John McKay's great line. <laughs> when they said, what do you think about the execution of your offensive line? <laughs> he said, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I <laughs> <laughs> forgot that. Don't but I Tony, know it. Tony Dungy, see, now that to me, when we speak about character, What we're really talking about is fame can come in a moment, but greatness Mm. comes with longevity. Mm.
2: So so
0: Here's a a man who's done it over and over. So now let me me shift that and move that right to the next thing. Talk about faith. 1 Corinthians 4.15, Paul said, you have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. mm. And when you talk about coaches and you talk about these kinds of people who impacted your life, I, I talk about it to pastors, to leaders, to men in business in every area of life. There has to be the spirit of a father. Now, you've spoken out on fatherhood very strongly over the last, particularly over the last 10 years since some of the abuses that we've seen happen in sports it came to light. Um, what was the young man who who actually uh, committed suicide, killed his girlfriend? 2000. Oh,
2: yes. Oh, yeah. um, uh, with the um, Kansas City Chiefs. And, right. Uh,
0: and then well, 2014, I think, was Ray Rice, who now is a friend of yours. And so it's uh, you've been very, very vocal on these things, James.
2: And you know what? And it hasn't. Um, I was a little surprised, especially um, using in reverse order the Ray Rice situation. And and a, and a good man. Many of the folks are good, but you know, there's that moment. So which is why you talk about hearing the uh, Christian ease coming out of me because one needs to be saturated and governed by that on on a daily basis, just as we did in the world of sports and practicing the fundamentals every day so that they're internalized. It's even more important in terms of the game of life so that we have sustained success over the long haul with the long view, the eternal perspective and all that we're doing. So yes, I have been working with the Verizon Foundation on raising the level of awareness about domestic violence and that 87% of the perpetrators are men, and men with men is the key to reducing that or eliminating that. So I wanted to focus on what what you do so exceedingly well. What real manhood is, what it looks like, defining healthy manhood. And rather than recreate the will, real manhood is how Jesus Christ defines us in his word. Yes, when we talk about getting married, Ephesians 5.25, you know, husbands, love your wives. I love my bishop who drove deeper and said, husbands, listen to your wives. The (laughs) secular expression is, behind every good man, there's a good woman. Last time I checked, the Lord pulled Eve out of the side of of, 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 um, Adam. So the point is, we walk, you know, in lockstep. Yes, the man is ahead. Say that again? Joint heirs. Absolutely, exactly. So, and, and we're to execute that role. But it's the man, you know, the wife is going to reflect what that man looks like, what that household is like. And I just want to make certain that the reflection of both of us is Jesus Christ. There's no better definition. There is no greater truth than that what God, that which God says throughout the word.
1: Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Christian Men's Network has a YouTube channel with inspirational videos. Click subscribe. There you can find the innovative new study, Monday Night Men. Monday Night Men is a fresh resource for men and pastors. As a pastor, you can follow up the 30-minute study with a digital meetup with your men for prayer, discussion, and teaching. Some churches are using the videos as part of a group meeting. As an individual, enlarge, energize, and build a strong mindset. This 13-week study will be on YouTube and Facebook. Get your books and materials at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and JB.
0: James, you've been, uh, you were on CBS Sports, Fox. You've been on the, the biggest broadcast stages. You've done the Olympics. You've done all these things. You work with a lot of different people. How do you walk your faith? Let's, let's say I'm a guy, I'm, I'm working you know, in a warehouse, I'm, I'm managing a warehouse. How do I live my faith on a regular, everyday basis? How does, how does that work out? You worked with all these different kinds of people. How do you maintain that?
2: You know, I, I recognize who I represent first and foremost, that I know that I am um, an ambassador for Christ. I belong to him. So when people see me, it's been credited to St. Francis of Assisi. It could have been, you know, Augustine. It could have been any. I love the expression that many people will prefer to see a good sermon than hear a good sermon. I like to tweak that and say if they see a good sermon first, then they'll be more inclined to want to hear a good sermon. And that's when we can then start to exercise and carry out the Great Commission that all of us who are Christians are charged with. So that's what I try to do. I remember before going to California to work with uh, Fox, many people might think it was the opportunity to work with Terry Bradshaw, by the way, who has a lot of word in him. We just need to keep him lifted in prayer. And I feel comfortable saying that because we're very close friends. I prayed to the Lord that, wow, here I am going to Hollywood, Father, let me be steeped in your word so that I can be a good representative for you. That was what was most important for me because my boss one day, the CEO, I don't even know what it was, Pastor Paul. He came up to me and he said, and I thought you were supposed to be a good Christian. I have no clue what he was referencing, but the bigger point was he was watching and listening. Everything I do, so therefore Colossians three twenty three became one of my staple scriptures. You know, um, do all that you do. The Bible says heartily. I use the word excellently. Do all that you do excellently to the Lord and not into man. Mm-hmm. My understanding that is, if I'm pleasing the Lord, my bosses cannot help on, but man. be pleased because I'm going to exceed that. Working with these superstars. Yeah. My, my scripture is, uh, what is it? Um, I think it's Philippians 2, 3, which is, in lowliness of mind, esteem others more highly than myself. It's not about me. It's them. I look to make certain that I can elicit the best from them. If I get the best out of them and they are shining, then the secular expression is a rising tide lifts all ships. But yeah. we know from a biblical standpoint, heavens, then we're gonna look good as the whole that Paul uses as the example in Ephesians 4:16. So that's what I do. And I also, one of the, the, the challenging situations I experienced, I don't even know what it was. My mother and I, when she was alive, it's now of course my wife and I and my daughter, um, I would pray with my mother before I went on the air that he would help to put a watch over my tongue to ensure that I was seasoning my words with salt And whatever I was saying was edifying and encouraging to others. Pastor Paul, I don't even know what it was. Clearly, it wasn't horrendous. But I went on the air one day, and I realized I said something out of my mouth that the Holy Spirit revealed to me was not from him. And I said, I cannot go and do this again. Every time I'm on the air, I want to represent him so I don't do anything without seeking him first.
0: You know, the principle is you're only qualified to lead to the degree you're willing to serve. Mm. So in serving others, we find our greatness. Jesus, the humility of Christ was that his strength was on the inside, not on the outside. You know, I had a great friend who I know you also knew, uh, Reggie White. Mm. And I remember one time he came down. He was still with Philadelphia at the time. And what was the tight end's uh, name? Kosal uh, always called him All, all World Anyway, they came over to our house. On yeah, a, the
2: Oklahoma guy. Come on, J.B. Yeah, You're yeah, dusting yeah. off cobwebs. Well, go ahead.
0: So they came over to our house on a Friday night. They had come into town here in Dallas. And uh, he said – my boys were two little guys at the time. And he sat down in the, in the little family room we had, and he wrestled with them. And I watched that guy two days later. Now, they jumped on him like he was playground equipment. Mm-hmm. Okay? Two days later, I watched him take Larry Allen, who Larry was the strongest man in the NFL, bench press over 700 pounds. I watched him do that under the arm move.
2: Yep, they call it the hump move. Yep, go ahead.
0: I saw him move that man out of the way and just like, excuse me, go in and just wipe out Troy Aikman. And that man, the strength of his life was his that his, his strength he knew his strength was truly on the inside, and because of his strength on the inside, he didn't have to prove it on the outside. He only did that because he was he was at work.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So well, you know, Reggie. Reggie was unbelievably strong, as you just indicated. Number two, uh, nobody would dare mess with Reggie, and some of the cute expressions that you would hear about Reggie is. Not only would he, as you understand the expression, but maybe the layperson in the audience, he would pancake offensive linemen. Meaning, he would put them flat on yeah. their back yeah, yeah. as he go. And when he would fall on the quarterback, you would you would hear that quarterback, you know, with that air rushing out of his winds because he's got out of his windpipe because Reggie's falling on him, and Reggie would pick him up and say, "Jesus loves you." <laughs> Now, now uh, truth
0: be told, I asked him, I said, do you always say God bless you or Jesus loves you? He goes, well, no, sometimes. No. He says, sometimes, Paul, it says football.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I understand because uh, the guy I worked with, um, Phil Sims, was saying Reggie White just treated him like a ragamuffin, and uh, he didn't have any kind words on the football field for Reggie White. On the field, off the field, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wait, uh,
0: tell me this, talking to James Brown with uh, – CBS Sports, Fox Sports, uh, NFL. Hey, let me ask you a couple questions on, on sports. What's uh, the games that you've actually been at or, or witnessed, or what, was, what would be one of the most amazing games you were ever at?
2: Wow, it involved our guy, Reggie White, when he, uh, when he went to the Green Bay Packers in search of a Super Bowl and got his first Super Bowl win. Um, and to see Reggie running around the field. With that Super Bowl trophy held high, really touched my heart because, as you said, he was a great friend as well. As a matter of fact, his wife, Sarah, she blessed me by letting me. I have a, um, a hobby that I don't get a chance to exercise very much now. I love old school cars, muscle cars. Reggie White, being a big guy, had two 1950. One was a 1950. The other was a 1951 Mercury, which we call the lead sled. It was a big, big old car i finally after all these years am about to get it out of the shop i was restoring it so um it will probably have the license plate minister of defense which of course is what he was known as but um so you know that that super bowl game was one the one right after 9 11 when all the feds came in because you know uh the federal security force took over everything and i mean we felt we were in the safest place on earth in New Orleans at the Superdome because all of the the feds were there. But that was the game between the Rams, uh, the greatest show on turf, and the New England Patriots, and, um, and New England won that game. So, yeah, those are some of the games that come to mind with me, probably none more so than a nondescript game when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were hosting the Atlanta Falcons. It was my first football game, and this will let you know I had to be taught about the game of football. I knew nothing. My uh, boss said, JB, we got to put you on football. If you're really looking for a lengthy career in this business, you got to know football. He says, now just go call a clean game. Don't try to get fancy. Look at the TV monitor. Everything you want will be on the TV monitor as opposed to the stadium clock. We will be on top of it. I go through the first half of the football game, and I'm thinking, man, football's not that difficult. There's complacency that set in. Third quarter, I said, Steve DeBerg is up under center. He takes a snap. the snap. Delayed handoff to James Wilder, the running back. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. He's got daylight. He's at the 50. 55. Tackled at the 60-yard line. My producer <laughs> hits me in the ear. JB, there's no such thing as a 60-yard line. Go to commercial. I'm all shook up. I forgot to look at the <laughs> TV monitor. I looked up at the scoreboard and the clock on the stadium clock, and, of course, it was wrong. I didn't realize it. I said, we're going to step aside for a quick timeout with eight minutes and 99 seconds left in the third period of play. Man, I compounded the mistake with that. We came back from commercial. My buddy, who played football at Harvard the same time, the early years that I was there, he said, for those of you who heard JB say eight minutes and 99 seconds left in the third period of play, he just wanted to see if you could do the mathematical conversion to realize that meant nine minutes and 39 seconds left in the third period of play. So those are some memorable football games for me, Pastor. <laughs> That's a
0: great story, man.
2: Oh, true story.
0: I love that. And I thank God, you know, that that somebody that God put you in that position in a platform. And I think every man's put in a platform to to uh influence the life he's in and the place that he's at to speak life to those people around you. Where'd you meet your
2: wife? Well, wow, blind date, believe it or not. no. Uh, Yes, um, I, I was working in local television, and I remember that there was a woman I had seen around the halls there on local TV, and I went to inquire about her. They said she was going to get married, and um, but she had a girlfriend she wanted to introduce me to. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, a girlfriend. You know how that goes. Yeah, so I, I met people. my wife uh, through her on a blind date when she came down to the local television station. I was filling in for the, uh, the regular anchor, And um, man it was talking about a beautiful woman but more importantly she surpassed me in her hunger and thirst for everything about the Word of God she is an evangelist she teaches she taught in our Bible college at the church and has been teaching for 15 years plus the tabernacle of Moses my wife Dorothy is flat-out awesome So trust me, I get the word. Hey, when when we got married, the first thing that she did, she went upstairs to my CD player in the room. She took out all of my R&B CDs, (laughs) broke them up and put in Christian music. She went to the kitchen and took the champagne. And I wasn't really a drinker, but a lot of the flight attendants back in the day used to give their favorite passengers champagne. She poured all the champagne out. And while she was pouring it out, she said, as for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. Oh, my God. So
0: she took James Brown out of James Brown's apartment.
2: Yes, he did. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, and I was really fretting because when you mentioned a tight end who played with him, Keith Jackson, who played with uh, Reggie White up at the Philadelphia Eagles, I was going to slap myself if I couldn't remember Keith Jackson, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And and we have to get back to those things. Sometimes I'll text a friend the next day just with a name, and, and he'll know what it's about. Absolutely. Name I, <laughs> name I couldn't remember yesterday. I got it. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, but I I must tell you that that what you bring uh, into sports and athletics is obvious more than just what you what we see on the screen. There is a uh, I believe that when as a follower of Christ, wherever we're at, we permeate His presence, mm. and I think that that comes out. And in fact, I think it came out it comes out every time you're on the sub with other people and you do prefer them and you do, you know, you, you, you are an ultimate professional. And uh, but the way that you treat other men in particular, because that's mostly who you're with uh, the way you've spoken up for women in this field, because you've done that on a number of occasions. In fact, you chastise the entire NFL about the way they talked about women.
2: Yeah. The language language is so very important. And I, you know, I did that on that first Thursday night broadcast that we did um, in Baltimore on the heels of the Ray Rice situation with his girlfriend, uh, Janae. but now they are married and he really is a wonderful man who has walked the road of redemption. He has has. been involved in, in strengthening the fabric of communities around the country. You know, we have such a tendency in, in the country to react and, castigate and vilify people and not forgive them forever and a day. That certainly is not consistent with the word of God. Ray Rice and he and his wife, Janae, they are fine people and he continues just as Michael Vick did when he paid the price and walked the road of redemption. Um, When he went to prison and he came out for the dog fighting, um, harsh penalty to say the least, but when he worked with the Humane Society, they engaged in a two year relationship where he would go into urban areas and try to dissuade kids from engaging in dog fighting. That was a two year commitment. He's been doing it ever since because he firmly believes it. But that which I heard in his voice when I was blessed to get the story, when I went to visit him in prison and to say, Michael, I heard you crying out for the Lord. Did I hear you correctly? He said, yes. He thought he was Teflon man because he was the biggest thing in the NFL. Yes, he was. Gotten where his roots were and the root with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, being like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, etc. I said, Michael, if that's the case, then I'd like to sit down and have the interview with you. But understand, I don't have they did this is not a puff piece. There are hard questions to be asked. He said, I want to answer those mm-hmm. hard questions. And 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 so, you know, I'm very, very happy. And look. And what the Lord has done through him since.
0: Well, you can't go back and and recreate your past, but you can redeem your past. And that's why we believe in a savior of hope and the message of hope, the gospel of hope, because hope is firmly anchored in your future. Hey, James Brown, it has been tremendous uh, just being able to take this kind of time and spend time with you and on our Brave Men podcast One of the things that we talk about often is not that uh, this podcast and our ministry would would show you who brave men are, but help you become Mm. that man. Mm. So our prayer today is that out of this time together, we would have permeated the atmosphere with the presence of Christ to the point that someone listening right now tips over and says, you know what? I'm changing this thing. I'm fixing this deal. I've been a man just strictly after talent, whatever the business was, or I've just been after my own uh, prestige or my own success. And I'm going to have to pivot that and begin to follow Christ because at the end of the day, uh, how do you want people to remember you, James?
2: Wow. Prayerfully that I am and was a sold out believer In Jesus Christ. Once I understood what the truth is, which more accurately is who the truth is, that's what I've been about. In the world of sports we talk about internalizing the fundamentals so that we can play the game against any opponent knowing that we don't have to think about it because it's rooted and grounded in us. God has his word written on the tablet of our hearts. It's the same methodology, the same principles here. Your good friend, Pastor Dale, love what he says. I remember his Stronger series, S-T-R-O-N-G-E-R, talking about getting stronger. Yes, there's an athletic inference there, but we're talking about for the long haul. He says, if you truly get to know God, then you will trust God. And if you trust God, you will be obedient to God. And if you're obedient to God, you will be blessed by God. Limited, limited knowledge of God, limited obedience. Lim- limited obedience, limited trust. Limited trust, limited promises and blessings in life, if you will. Do the study for yourself. Blew me away for those who like to engage in intellectual gymnastics and say, well, prove it to me. No, no, no. God has already proved himself. He's yeah. evident every day in his handiwork that's all around us. But I love this as I studied the word to understand that in the Old Testament alone, there are over 2,000 specific predictive prophecies of the Word of God, the overwhelming number that have been proven true. There's not another faith in all the world. You've traveled the globe more than me. So you tell me, of I don't know, in all the books and writings of Confucius or anybody else, there's not one specific predictive prophecy. And when those religions... Did engage in such, they had to go back to revise them because Let's they didn't come you. out true. That's not the case with the Word of God. Over 2,000 specific predictive prophecies about God. It's the Bible has been written, as you well know, by over 40 authors on three different continents over 1,500 years. And there's one consistent theme, and it is about redemption by the Redeemer because he came to pay a price that we owed because we. Owed a price we couldn't pay. It blows my mind, and I pray that people will grab a hold of that to know that there is such a thing as an absolute truth, and Jesus Christ is that truth.
0: Hey, James Brown, one of uh, America's and the world's leading sportscasters, but most of all, uh, a leading statesman for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's been great talking to you, brother.
2: Pastor Paul, I tell you, I get excited. I know I can get long winded, but you know what? That just, that just shows you my passion for him and all things Christ, because I want, that's my job. And when I stand before him, I know God is not going to say, let me see your resume. Let me see how much money you made. How many people did you know? What did you do with my word? And I want to make sure I did it well. Praise God. Mm.
0: Well, bless you, brother. Thank you. Uh, that was a great recording, man. I could, we could talk about some of these things forever. It's uh Man, talk about your wife putting the word in you. That's such- oh, look at. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, wait, look, hey, Pastor Paul. We don't have arguments; we have intense debates, and she wins most of them. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that one. So, uh, oh, gosh, but the fact is, man, I love. How long have you guys been married?
2: Uh, you know what i count it as 33. we dated off and on she was in new york i was in dc it was a rocky dating period of eight years she fired me twice we had been officially married for 25 years i said no i'm counting those eight it's 33. thank you
0: <laughs> that's great well lord bless you brother thanks for taking the time james and i pray for you and all your endeavors that every place that you put your feet as holy ground and everything your hands touch will prosper. And thanks for being you,
2: man. Mm. Pastor Paul, can I just say thank you for this time? This fires me up for the day. You've, You've served that. Thank you for being the vessel that you are globally. And anytime, please reach back out. I would love to engage in more conversation about our Lord and Savior.
0: Let's do it. God bless you, man.
2: God bless you, sir. Take care. Have a great day. You too.
1: Man, it's so exciting when you see someone that is well known and on CBS mm-hmm. NFL Today every Sunday. All that stuff. But he still stands for truth and is going to be authentic and real about yeah. his faith and yeah. what he stands for.
0: Yeah, he does. And you know, and he, and he does that even on the broadcast. You yes. can tell. And, he, and then we uh, talked about, it. and you can Google it. You can go up, uh, anybody, if you're listening right now to this end part, uh, You can go on Google, and you can look up some of the things he said about men and manhood. Yeah. And he spoke up, and we talked about it in the conversation. But he spoke up when there were some issues with Ray Rice and other guys who who abused the ladies. And uh, he was not silent about it, man. And I I thank God for men like this who are willing to stand up and do it with such honor, respect, and integrity that no matter who you are, you have to say, okay, you know what? There's some truth there. Yeah.
1: And another thing and, I admire, and even you walk in this, is, mm-hmm. like, there are certain men that carry the atmosphere, mm-hmm. you know? And you can so see that on NFL yeah. Today. It's like, yeah, you have all these other high-profile people. Yeah. But it's all run through the atmosphere of J.B., yeah. you know, like when he throws the ball to, you know, whoever else is speaking, it's like, wow, they know how to segue into it, you know, and it's amazing. Well, for years, see. he
0: sat there next to Terry Bradshaw, yes. you know, and uh, they would throw stuff back and forth. And and, you know, he just is that um you know, what is it? It's like, a, like an icebreaker. Just, he's this place of peace that just cuts exactly. through everything. Exactly. Yeah. And it's what he carries in him. You're yeah. exactly right, Chris. Yeah. And it's we need more men in
1: that can walk in that and say, you know what? I'm going to be uncompromising no matter the yeah. questions, no matter the people I'm around. I'm someone that's going to stand for truth regardless of that. Yeah. you know,
0: That's why we do what we do at Christian Men's Network. Exactly. And um, where can they get the tools?
1: They can get the tools at <laughs> cmn.men. That's yeah, the Christian for Men's discipleship, Network. Right.
0: Yep. So if, if you're a pastor or leader, uh, if you've got sons, yes, I started my sons at ages 9 and 10, going through strong men and tough times. And um, people say, well, you know, they need to be older. Well, dude, man, by the time they're 14 and 15, they've seen so much stuff on their yes. phones or Internet or heard stuff in the streets or whatever. Yes. You're almost trying to restart. But if you can start at 9 and 10 when they're... You know, kind of still looking at dad or, or if you're a stepfather or if you're the man in their life, yes. whatever you may be in their life. You know, speaking to their, into their lives at a young age, we've found that, that um, I remember, Chris, I was thinking about this the other day. I remember a, a man who taught our Sunday school class when I was in fifth grade. Wow. And there were two guys named Stan. There was a kid named Randy. There was about eight of us. Wow. And uh, I've never forgotten that time. I don't, I don't remember what the guy's name was, but I remember it was about a three-year thing at uh, Bethany Church in Alhambra, California, and um, our Dr. Claire Britton, who was the pastor, C.W. Britton, and it was uh, one of those marking points, but yeah. I was young, man. I was like, uh, I guess I was fifth sixth and seventh grade somewhere right in Uh, there fifth grade middle school so you think about that and you think okay well i'll wait until they get into seventh eighth grade no this guy's marking us at fourth and fifth grade yeah i remember my fourth grade peewee pop warner whatever it was football coach you know instructing me on things yeah and um so start your start your men at a young age right
1: and i was going to even you know Mm -hmm. add on to that like you know, we have the maximize. you fix it? No, no no, 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 I oh, can't you weren't fix it. Fix no, that? no, 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 no. Okay. I was just going to put yeah. whipped cream on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, we have the uh. ma- at CMN. We have the maximized minutes for fathers. Oh yeah. And Man, you know, that thing's incredible. This is something that just got into our life in the Shields family. Right. But one of the biggest significant things that I remember as a kid. Be the first thing we did, and this is a practice I still practice today that my dad established in me, is the first thing we did when we got in the car when we were going somewhere, mm-hmm. he would turn on confessions. And I'm not talking about Catholic confessions. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about confessions of speaking your identity oh, over affirmations. Yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, some wow. people call it affirmations, some confessions. Right, 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 but right, right. yeah, and every kid in the car, me, my older brother, and my little sister would repeat with my dad. The affirmations for that day. Get out of here, man. And that's something that we—I still practice every time I get in the car. Really? No matter where I'm going, and every day when I'm coming to the office, that's what I do. And it is something that has set my life in a direction where, you know, no matter my situation or my circumstances, when I turn on those, even if I messed up that day, you know, or that night or whatever, when as soon as I do those affirmations, I'm reminded of who I am.
0: So that's what you do after one of these podcasts where you messed up. Yes, exactly. You you go home. I go and I encourage myself. <laughs> Shoot, yes. Uh, yeah. But, no you do a fantastic job chris and we all know that but uh love to give you a bad time <laughs> so uh but the fact is is that that marked you exactly and i you know i i think as dads sometimes uh, we don't think about how we're marking a seven or eight year old
1: wow and that's so true because i mean i can even tell you the like, first wait time, till they get twelve or thirteen. Yeah, I can even man. tell you the first time. Like I'm a basketball player. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that about me. And it's like I remember the first time I played basketball with my dad. You know, wow, really, I remember the exact. I was two years old. Get out of here with man. my dad. That's like, like a Tiger Woods. thing. Yeah, I was shooting, and I'll never forget because my older brother blocked my shot. Get out of here! <laughs> and I'll never forget. And I said I'm never going to get my blocks, my shot blocked like that again. Yeah, well, you, know? you and I
0: haven't played yet, so.
1: <laughs> but you know, it's the little things you know, that set the trajectory of where your yeah, life's going to go, points. you know, and it's like, and we have to, you know, one of the biggest things in our life is we have to hold on to memories. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: yeah, man. So true. And, and, uh, James Brown, you know, JB, you know, this is a guy that as a dad, I can say here, watch this guy. Exactly. Right here. Listen to this man. Yes. You know, act like this, comport yourself like a man, like him.
1: And be real like him.
0: Yeah, and be real and authentic like him. Man, what a, um, man, I so appreciate J.B. being with us. You know, it's uh, it was fun to call him J.B. <laughs> you know, <Yes>. <laughs> sir, call him sir, yes. Mr. Brown. But uh, now it was a great time and uh, real authentic. And thank God for men like that are in leadership. Yeah. And thank you for being with us today on Brave Men. Uh, you can reach me at Paul, at paul. Well, well, see, I said that twice, didn't I? Yes. So now I'm fired. Okay. So Paul at CMN.Men. Paul at CMN.Men. I'm Paul Lewis Cole. I'm with Chris Shields. You've been listening to the Brave Men podcast, sponsored by the Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Hey, make it a great day. God bless. You've just experienced
2: Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.